You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 101, featuring special guest, producer Abby DePhillips. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Can I let you in on a little secret? Thriving on social media does not have to be as daunting as it sounds, so let me help you. With my brand new online course, The Essential Guide to Instagram for Actors, you'll learn all my insider tips into defining your brand, creating high-quality content, increasing your engagement, and building a following on Instagram. Take it from someone who started on social media completely from scratch in 2017 and built an empire of over 10,000 loyal followers. If I can do it, so can you. As a special thank you for listening today, you will get 30% off your purchase of the course by going to actoraesthetic.com slash Instagram and using the code podcast30. Can't wait to see you all shine on Instagram. If you're interested in pursuing a career in the theater industry, but you're not quite sure yet whether or not that means actually being on stage then I highly suggest listening to this episode featuring special guest Abby DePhillips. Born on Long Island and raised in New Jersey, Abby DePhillips has been lucky enough to always be near Broadway. At age 12, she co-created a web show called Backstage Broadway, which allowed her to interview Broadway stars. In 2014, she was crowned Miss Teen United States and soon after moved to New York City to further her career in theater. After assisting concerts, she began working at Broadway Style Guide and later The X Magazine. She soon began work co-producing the series Pronoun Showdown. And after sold-out shows, Pronoun Showdown was able to begin touring to other cities as well as continuing performances in New York. As a hardcore Legally Blonde the Musical fan, a career highlight was getting to produce a concert version of the show as a benefit for the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund at Feinstein's 54 Below. Additionally, just before the shutdown, Abby debuted her new concert series, Broadway Breakup Playlist, also at Feinstein's 54 Below. In addition to her work in theater, Abby also writes a blog on her website called The A-List, and she'll also be launching an online store this fall. In this episode, I get to chat with Abby a little bit more about how she's become an icon for people who are passionate about theater but are seeking a different path. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Abby, thank you so much for joining us this week. Where are you calling from today? Are you in New Jersey? I am in Jersey. I am currently at um, Miss Jenna Claire Mason's home. That's so fun. Just uh, give us a little gist about where you grew up and how you got involved in theater in the first place. 
Sure. So I grew up pretty close to where I'm at right now. I grew up in Summit, New Jersey, um, which is really close to Paper Mill Playhouse. Um, so growing up, I was very close to very good theater at yes, all times. <laughs> um, I was born on Long Island too. So it was always Broadway and Paper Mill and even like the high school in Summit, the theater is so insane. And that's not a brag because it was way before I was there and it is way long after I'm gone. Like it is really incredible theater. So growing up, it was like, I wasn't exposed to community theater until I was like 15 years old when I like saw a not great production of Legally Blonde and <laughs> Emmett and Warner were twin brothers and they switched blue and red ties. So like, thank God I knew the show so well because you could not tell who was who. And I just was like, oh my God, like, this is when people are like community theater or like growing up, I do shows at this theater because to me it was like paper mill. So I'd see Broadway yeah. quality. So I definitely was spoiled growing up. And my mom used to do theater when she um, was in college and high school and a bit after college. So it was always just kind of part of part of the blood and part of um, just kind of, kind of my genes. Um, mm. My earliest memory is my mom was teching a production of um, Into the Woods at a high school in Long Island. Like everything in my life was very theater oriented for so long. So it was just kind of like, this is what we do. Like, mm. this is what I get to see and this is what I want to be part of. So yeah, it was always, always a big part of the makeup. So how did you get involved in pageants? So I was, I think I was 17. Okay. And which is also kind of funny because usually people in pageants, you start younger, which I didn't fully realize until I was, I was doing it. And people were like, yeah, I, I started when I was like seven or, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so not what happened. <laughs> um, and I was babysitting for my friend Stephanie and she recorded um, Miss USA was on that night. So she was like, yeah, if, if you and her daughter is like, if you guys want to watch um, Miss USA, like it's recording. I was like, okay, great. So, and I always liked watching pageants. So when she came home, she was like, oh my God, we have to sign you up for New Jersey. Oh. And I was like, wait. And I don't know why I didn't think about it as like something you could just start doing. Yeah. And I don't know why you didn't think like, of course, New Jersey has to have one because there's a Miss New Jersey. Like that didn't really click for me until she said it. And I was like, oh, duh, there's a New Jersey pageant. Mm. So we signed up and um, I started working with a coach who was a friend of Stephanie's, um, just like a little bit online because she was based in California. And we knew that the pageant I was going to like commit to was going to be um, the United States, the TEEN program, which um, TEEN stands for Teens Exemplifying Excellence Nationally. And I always feel like I'm gonna get that wrong, <laughs> I always get nervous. So uh, we were signing up for that for New Jersey in the spring. So I did one that fall as kind of a like, let's see how this goes. Um, which was the USA system, which is like the Trump system, which I hate that that's what it is, but that's what mm -hmm. it is. So I did that and I was like, this is amazing. I love it. I'm so excited. And then I won Teen New Jersey and then I went to nationals 
and it was the best time ever. It was like the most fun I've ever had. And then I ended up winning Team New York for the next year because I was going to school in New York. Oh. So I, I was eligible for both. So then I won New York oh and won nationals. It was like crazy whirlwind two years, but it was amazing. How do you find that performing in pageants and especially Miss Teen USA prepared you for the professional theater industry? I think definitely theater ended up helping with pageantry. Almost more than pageantry ended up helping with theater. I think having, this is going to sound very inauthentic, but I think (laughs) having a background in like improv, just the, the mentality of just knowing when to like, how to like think on your feet. So it's not that it was like making things up when I'd be answering things in pageant questions, but it was definitely knowing like how to hold yourself and like maintain posture and like not like death stare anybody because you're used to like audition <laughs> training when it's like okay, exactly just, like don't freaking you out but like make eye contact and then chat which was interesting because I didn't really put it together how in sync it was until mm-hmm. I was like listening to other girls at nationals talk about like how stressed they get with um, interview and how scary final question is and it wasn't a thing that freaked me out mostly just because I was like oh like I I have essentially been trained to do this in such a different capacity but it ended up being so helpful and now having that experience like after I won my title I think definitely the same things helped in terms of just getting used to like knowing when to talk about something you're passionate about, knowing how to bring that up in like a, like a tight summary. So when like pitching something, it's like, I know it's like ingrained now that I'm like, okay, this is, this is this, this is this. this So I'm passionate about it. And like, period. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Crazy that it ended up like fitting so well together. (laughs) Wow, that's perfect. So then you competed and then you, did you right after that go to school for theater? Yes. So I, I won Miss Teen United States in June, Mm -hmm. in July. (laughs) And then (laughs) I moved to the city in October um, to go to AMDA. Okay. Um, Did you always know that you wanted to go to school for theater? No, I hated school so much that I, I, like, I can't even, when I talk to, like, younger people, like, I wish I had a less aggressive answer. I, like, every single day, I hated having to go to school. So when college conversations started, I was like, I don't want to be anywhere near a school. That's so funny. I love that answer. I think that there are, on my podcast, there are such a variety of answers where people are like, no, I hated it. Or yes, I knew since I was seven. And it's like, so funny to hear that because people just don't realize, you know? Yeah. It was, like, (laughs) could not have hated it more. So I did not want to go. I went to a school in high school where, and grew up in a town where you go to college, like you graduate high school and you go to college. Mm -hmm. So it was never like, are you going to go to school? It was always, where are you going to go to school? Okay. So 
when the college conversation started, I was like, here's the deal. If I'm going, I'm going to somewhere with a good acting program. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to New York. I, I looked at schools nearby just because, you know, guidance counselors and parents, everyone's like, we have to like, you know, this is like a bigger deal. Like, let's focus. Yeah. So I, I visited like Wagner, like places really close to the city. I had no desire to be anywhere that wasn't like in Manhattan. So I visited Marymount Manhattan and I liked the idea of the school more than I ended up liking the school. Hmm. Um, I liked it when visiting. It was my audition day that I realized that was not where I wanted to be. Hmm. Um, it was odd too, because the, the audition went fine. They were kind to me. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything personal. It was other students at the school interacting with one another in the halls. Hmm. Like, this isn't just the environment. It makes sense. Yeah. And I, at that point I was kind of like, if I go anywhere, I'll go to Marymount. But I left and my mom was like on the phone. I was like going to meet her and she was like, how did it go? I was like, my audition went fine. Like the monologues were fine. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I don't think this is where I want to be. She was like, okay. (laughs) It was like the one school that I had told him I would like be willing to go to if I was (laughs) lucky enough to get in. And then now I was like, um, so AMDA at that point had not had auditions yet. Okay. So she was like, why don't we apply to AMDA in the city? It's a conservatory, Mm -hmm. so no math classes. And I was like, okay, like, (laughs) works for me. (laughs) So I was still like at that point, like, well, like maybe Marymount, but like it didn't, it didn't feel right at all. And then I, I got my acceptance letter and I like felt it. I was like, this is not, I can't. You just knew. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, they say, you know, you know, and, like, we're going to visit a school and stuff, which I never really got until I was there. If you don't get that experience, you simply don't know until you go there. So it's interesting because if you go and audition for these schools at Unifieds, you're going to get the experience of just auditioning, and you're not going to get the experience of actually auditioning on campus and seeing the other people. So if you can go to the school, which coronavirus be gone, like after this is over, if you can go to the school and you have the funds to do so, especially for the schools that you're really interested in, do it because it's more than just the faculty. It's the total environment of the school and whether or not you vibe with them as much as they vibe with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then I went to the AMDA audition and I was Mm -hmm. like, after getting that Marymount letter, I was kind of like, that was where I thought I wanted to be. Yeah. Not anymore. So I don't think anything is really going to like fit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at AMDA, I was waiting to go in and I loved the way the students were talking to one another in the hall. I, and I was like, Oh, this is, this is different. Like I was, um, my audition went like fine. My interview I really like loved the person there and to the point that like as I was chatting with them I was like oh god now I like want to be here (laughs) as I left like I was like just so you know like I like this housing better than this housing if you (laughs) and I was like okay (laughs) so I was like I think I'm maybe getting in here and then um yeah so then I went to AMDA that October which is so weird that it starts in October, but I went in October. Um, I it was all downhill from there. I ended up really sick immediately. Oh like, god! 
I always keep talking about it because it sounds so gross, but like I, I grew up like literally oh, like the day, no. and I was like, that's weird. And then I had a pageant event that first weekend, so I was home, and I was like, hey, I'm just sick all week. And my mom was like, okay, like weird. And then I was sick for the rest of the school year. The rest. Of oh the my. So I was like running out of class to make a train to go to Jersey to like get another test done at a hospital. It was just like constantly trying to figure out what was wrong with my body. Um, so it was, it was weird because I feel like I didn't really get the full experience. No. Just because it was so, yeah, it was, I mean, it was so much like just frustration in terms mm-hmm. of like, I'm finally in New York and now, which also that is, that dorm is the best location ever. Mm-hmm. I was on 70th between Broadway and Columbus. Amazing. I was in my own room. Um, I was blocks away from um, Laura Osnes. Like, I had people nearby that I was like, this is great. Yeah. It was actually really funny because she ended up helping move me in. Which <laughs> at, a, at AMDA, you can imagine how that went. We, like, ran into her at Trader Joe's, and you can't have guests in the dorm, like, at all. But okay. because it was, like, move-in day, it was, like, kind of flexible. So when we saw her... She was like, can I see the door? And we're like, yeah, like, let's go up. So having her, like, in the elevator, and I was like, this is great. Like, we're finally here. And then I, like, looked next to you in the elevator, and, like, there were, like, four other students and their parents. They were all just, like, jaw to the ground. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is what it's going to be. Hey, Flora. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I liked her in there. Like, it was kind of unfortunate how it ended up. But I think Mm. everything happens for a reason. You spent that year really struggling with your health. Yeah. Tell me about that experience and how you persevered. So I left after the first semester, or mm-hmm. I, actually I didn't even finish the first semester. I had done most of it. Wow. And okay. I came back for the second semester, but because I didn't finish the first semester, I was going to like repeat the oh, wow. first semester, which was like not ideal, but I was like, it is what it is. Um, and then I... So I got back to my dorm, like moved back in and everything. And then <laughs> I was still getting sick. And I was like, what is going on? Because I wasn't really getting sick at home. Like I was fine. But then at school, it would be, and not even just at school, it would be just like in my dorm. There were days that I'd be fine most of the day. And then at like 3 or 4 p.m., I'd be like, great, I'm nauseous again. And then there would be days where it'd be, I'd wake up and it'd be all day long. And it was so weird, mostly because it was, like, just when I was at school. So a lot of people were like, do you think it's stress? I also, like, don't really get stressed by nature. So I was like, it's not. And, like, it's school. So I'm like, it's really, like, I promise it's not stress. Mm -hmm. Um, But we never really figured it out. And then at the end of, uh, like, I was trying to push through as much as possible. I think I got to, like, midterms. And then I left again. It was just, like was just not working which was frustrating at the time and now I'm kind of like oh my god I would have wasted years <laughs> at an acting conservatory when I'm that's not my plan anymore at all so I guess it was meant to be but I definitely was anxious to get back to the city hmm. after I came back home we did like some more tests still never found out what it was wow um Years later, Laura Michelle Kelly told me she had a similar situation at a show she was in, in the dressing room, where she was like, 
I would like drink water from the sink and I would like brush my teeth with the like sink water. And she was like, I was allergic to like mold that was in the pipes. I immediately thought that when you said that you, yes, I did. When you said that, that you were sick in the building and that you were sick, but you were, you're not sick in your apartment in New York now. And you're not sick at New Jersey. I immediately thought there was something in that apartment. There was mold, something. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, That's crazy. I guarantee. Cause she was like, I was missing shows left and right. Cause I, I was sick and she was like, I stopped using that water to brush my teeth. I, oh, wow. And I was like, oh my God, like a doctor couldn't have figured this out a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And, like I had to do like colon tests and stuff. And, like, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I got back to New York after that, um, I definitely was like, let's go. And my plan was like, I will take classes and I'll just mm. start auditioning and like, I'll just go, 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 go. Because you can do that. Like in yep. Need a degree, so that was comforting to me, and yeah, and then things kind of shifted pretty soon after that. Yeah, talk to me about that shift because I didn't know actually that you went back to New York and started auditioning and started taking class, and you were still focused on being an actor. So how did that shift happen for you? So I I kind of knew that I wanted. I was like, I'll get an internship or something, and kind of like be in the world, and then yeah. I take acting classes um I started up voice lessons again and then because I was taking them during school and then not long after that was the first Broadway princess party yeah and I got to help just because I'm friends with Laura and Ben mm-hmm. and I love Broadway and I love Disney princesses yes so. you do <laughs> when Laura had first texted about it, it was kind of like, you have to like be part of this. I was like, oh my God, this is a dream. Mm-hmm. So I was just helping with like casting and like, which sounds so funny because it was basically like a document that we were like looking at and it was like, she has red hair. Like let's make her Ariel. <laughs> but it was essentially casting and um, there was like this really cute, um, like intro that isn't really in the shows at all anymore, but it was like inspired by in Shrek when they're like presenting the princesses <laughs> in like the like game show host voice. Yeah. <laughs> all of the girls had those, so I got to help write like out like cool. like when Bay is a beast, like the just like the cheesy like things like that that we did, and then mm-hmm. I got to help like decorate. 54 below, like, we want it to, like, look like a party, so, like, blowing up balloons and putting costumes together, and cool. when I was in high school, I had a princess party company, so I had, like, a Rapunzel wig and an Ariel wig, so, like, we put them yeah. on, like, Kayla Waterman and Desi Oakley, and yes. it was just <laughs> such a fun, like, it didn't feel work at all, it was just, like, a fun thing to put together, mm-hmm. and I was standing um, at the sound booth, which is like now where I watch all my shows. So it's like really full circle, but I was standing mm-hmm. at the sound booth waiting for Laura to come off for a quick change. And there was a table of girls really close and they were like, so smiley and chatty, like through the show, like talking about the show. And it was so fun to watch them get excited about like stuff mm-hmm. I got to help put together. And like, they would comment on specific like ideas that were mine that I was like, Oh my God, like they like that. And then it just kind of hit me that I was like, I don't want to be on stage with the girls at all Mm. where I think before it would have been like, Oh my gosh, one day, like I want to be on Broadway where I can be in shows like this. It was purely 
just an overwhelming joy of getting to put together things that were making other people happy and things that would have made me happy when I was just a Broadway fan in New Jersey and still make me happy now, like years later. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like this huge shift. And I remember like saying it to Laura, I was just like, I don't want to perform anymore. And she was like, okay, (laughs) talk about this later. (laughs) It was just this weird, like, and the weird thing is I've never gone back like from that day. I was going to ask you, was there ever a moment where you're like, I, I want to perform again? No, which is so weird because I can't even say that there was ever a time in my life that there was ever a day where I didn't want to do that until that day. Wow. Not like I went back and forth for years. It's not like I was like, oh, if acting doesn't work out, I'll like, I'll be an author. It was never, there was never a plan B. Yeah. You just simply found your calling right then and there. Which is such an odd thing. Like I always knew I wanted to be in theater and I wanted to be in that world. So I think because it was just a shift in the capacity I'd be in that world, it didn't feel like a dream was over. It just, I don't know. Cause I, even when I wanted to be an actor, it never, it never was a, again, there was never a plan B, but it wasn't because of like my confidence and my skill level. It was just, mm-hmm. because I was like, well, if you want to do something, you figure it out. So I was like, if my Broadway debut is in the ensemble at 68 and I'm understanding a tree, then that's my Broadway debut. Like I'll be working on it as long as I possibly can. Like I'll take whatever job I have to, like I'll, I'll do it. Uh-huh. So it was weird then to just be like, nope, not what I want anymore. Cause that was mm. never my attitude and never my mentality. It's just weird when I feel like sometimes your calling is kind of like, okay, like, leads you one way, and then it's like, and here's the door we go through, and you're like, okay. <laughs> Truly, it kind of, it's it's as if for the past, you know, three, four years, it was leading up all to that point, because imagine if you had not gotten sick at school, and continued with your, your studies, and then, you know, did a showcase, got an agent, all of a sudden was starting yeah. to really audition heavily, and you would, you might not have never gotten that experience to even go that path. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think having the background I have is so helpful in what I want to do now, like in producing, there've been so many times where like, I don't know, I'll be like, don't like, don't just like mark through the song or like, don't do it full out. Like, cause I know you have two tomorrow mm-hmm. where like actors are like, Oh my God, like, thank you for like being considerate about that. And I'm like, as much as you know. to be like St. Abby over here, it's just truly because I'm like, you don't want to have to, like, why, why have to do all this extra singing when you just left a show and you have two tomorrow? Like, it, it's just like, of course, of course. Yeah, as an actor and a performer, you know, you want to be working with someone who understands actors and having the background that you have is so important because it makes your performers feel so safe and acknowledged and comfortable with the fact that they don't need to be on 24 seven, but when they are on it, they're, they're ready to go. So that's actually really fascinating. And you basically got your start in the early stages of your producing career really through the Broadway princess shows. So uh, what happened next? How did you continue with that? So I continued helping with their shows, uh-huh. um, which was great and so fun. And I still do whenever I can. Um, and then my friend Nathan Lucrecio, who is mm-hmm. in Diana right now, 
he was in Aladdin at the time and I heard him sing and I was like, hold the phone. Like his voice is so stupid, ridiculous. And he's an incredible dancer. So it's just, it's like a little bit annoying. Cause like, I'm, who is that? Come hey, on. really good at one of these things. Like I understand a lot of people are good at both, but Nathan is like super special. Uh-huh. So I heard Nathan sing and I was like, you need to do like a show at 54 Below or something. And he was like, fine, I'll do it, but you're helping me. And I was like, okay. And I was like, we'll figure it out. And I'm a big believer with like anything, like even things I should not be doing. Like you could be like, can you build a treehouse? And I'd be like, yeah, we'll Google it. Like we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Which like I shouldn't do. I'm like, no one get a treehouse I built. But I do have faith that like I'll figure it out. Yeah. So when he said it, I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we like wrote up a pitch. I sent it to 54. Um, I was friends with the late night programmer at the time. So I actually, she might still be the late night programmer. I have to check, but Amy Sapp was wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, like, great. Like we're doing it. And then once I did that with Nathan, I was like, great, this is like, this is a piece of cake. Wow. So then from that, um, pronoun showdown came, came pretty soon after that. Uh huh. So explain to us what pronoun showdown is. So, Pronoun Showdown is a concert series where we switch pronouns in songs to change the meaning or the character perspective. So, things like On My Own becomes On Your Own from Mayor Mm -hmm. Gray's perspective. Um, We have a version of Burn from Alexander Hamilton's perspective. So, it's it's just kind of an interesting way of, like, looking at songs from a different point of view. Um, I co-created it and co-produced it with Kimberly Jenna Simon. And we are quite proud of it. We've had <laughs> several in New York. We started touring um, last fall. We went to San Francisco. We have a few more cities that should have been happening this year, <laughs> but aren't. <laughs> but hopefully when things get going again, we'll be able to make those announcements and get new dates and yeah. figure it out. But It'll happen. Yeah, It'll happen soon. Maybe. Wish we were already going to visit other cities, but this is what it is this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we do that series, which I really love, and that has been really great and really amazing, and I'm really grateful for all the friends that just blindly say yes to things. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, hey, if you're on this day, like we have this show, and people will be like, hey, I shall sing whatever, and I'm like, oh my god, like thank you so much. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's been really great. I really proud of that one. That's awesome. Out of all of those that you've worked on so far, what do you think has been your favorite project? Of, like, of Pernature Down? Of of the show, of all of the shows that you've worked on thus far. Legally Blonde. 54 Sings Legally Blonde. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh, I did that with Matt Redman, who's one of my best friends, and it was it was like all my dreams come true. When I was 12, I went to the closing performance of Legally Blonde, and I- Was that with Bailey? Yes. Oh, Bailey. Bailey. Okay. Who I keep in touch with. I was just cool. talking to the other day. What? <laughs> Her Crazy. daughter is named Elle, and she is the cutest. How great is that little perfect Elle? Love that. Um, so yes, that was with Bailey, and I went, and I cried so hard. <laughs> like- no, like not even like a cute like oh she's tw-. like it was it was like pretty excessive I remember like Richard Blake came out and I like burst into tears because I hadn't met him yet so he was like the last one and then it was like the show was really over and I like lost it at the seashore <laughs> so getting to like be there that day I just remember thinking like I want to be part of 
we really want coming back to New York so badly. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that is how it was like phrased in my head, but I'm sure it was in the capacity of, as a performer. Yeah. So it's interesting that it was never, I want to be in it in New York. It was always, I just want to be part of it being back here. Wow. So even though it was a concert, I mean, we did the full show besides, we had to cut one song, but it was the show and mm-hmm. we had a dialogue in there and it was, oh my gosh, it was so special. We had original cast members and we exactly. had actually Richard Blake was going to be Callahan and then he ended up on tour. So it was like just a lot of full circle craziness that I was like, how is this like Callahan? That would have been wild. It wow. Was like, oh my God, that was, and everyone was so nice. Like that cast was so incredible. Like Carrie St. Louis, the poor thing. I made her change her costume eight times. No. Before below. the show? Oh my yes. God. I was like, then you switch to this laser, then this fur bunny, and then you do this. Like, <laughs> the most. And thank God for Matt, because Matt was just kind of like, whatever you need, whatever you need. And I was <laughs> oh my God, like, thank you. There was a few things that Matt was like, Abby. And I was like, okay, we don't need that. But it was just, everyone was very accommodating with my <laughs> bold dreams <laughs> of, like, changing Carrie next to, like, waiters trying to, like, wrap utensils. It was a lot, but it was... Really? that is so fun I've seen clips of it and I was obsessed like what a well put together show with an incredible cast they were unbelievable all of them all of them seriously oh my god the ensemble like Matt was like Matt really handled like the entire ensemble like he was like I have some great people I was like okay Mm -hmm. awesome and then I was like okay but they're not like great ensemble members like they're literally all superstars it was just I was like this really good cast. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're working on a show like that, what is a typical day like for you? So I lived really close to Times Square. So Mm -hmm. we would have just days in my apartment where it would be, and this is actually what it is for pretty much any concert. We'll rehearse out of my apartment. So the MD will come over and like be on a keyboard and then it'll be like, great, like send and snap vocalists come in at 9am and then Carrie adds on in, at 10 and then um, Alex Newell was Paulette until a few days before he booked um, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist so I had to like fly out and Haven Burden came in and saved the day but we'd have like Alex come in at a certain time and then Alex would leave and Bobby Conti Thornton would come in and he would do serious like it was just these magical days where I'd get to like sit in my apartment with one of my best friends and have Broadway stars sing Legally Blonde. <laughs> it was like really, really stupid and amazing. When you have an idea for a show like this, you had mentioned, you know, you send out a pitch to 54 Below. What goes behind that? When you send that email, you know, what are you talking about in those emails? It's basically making sure they know that this is worth the time and this yeah. is worth you know, because there's so much that goes on at 54 Below that we don't even see. So there's a lot of, I, I don't know how many people know this, but uh, during the day, they often have events, hmm. uh, luncheons, and there's part like private parties, and there's a lot happening that they can make a lot of money on. Yeah. So making sure that it's a night that is worth it for them. So 
I, I do feel pretty fortunate in that I was such a Broadway super fan. I still am. I always say it has tends to like make myself sound professional. I'm such a Broadway super fan. <laughs> so I know that in a pitch, I want it to be something that I'd like read online yeah. in like seventh grade and be like, mom, please, please, please. I know it's a school night. Like I have to go like, Good point. which is how like I try to market shows as well. It's just, mm-hmm. I want it to be something that people are like, this has to happen. Hmm. That's helpful to know. That's actually really cool because no one really knows that part of it. You know, they're not yeah, really familiar with it. They just know the final product, but they don't know, you know, I'm, I'm also just curious how much of the show do you already really have to have fleshed out down to like the casting before you even pitch it to a, a theater a venue? Question. Yeah. With, with Legally Blonde, there were a lot of moving parts, but we... I, I had said for years, there should not be Legally Blonde Revival. I think a revival is to help people see a show yeah. that they wouldn't have seen. With the MTV recording, everyone saw it. Perfect. That yeah. is perfect. I was like, there's no need for a revival because the show still exists. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I didn't ever see a reason for it until the day Carrie St. Louis came to a Broadway princess party and I met her and I heard her sing and I was like, Legally Blonde needs to be revived. Seriously, this needs to play always. <laughs> like, that was it for me. So I knew and Matt knew we weren't doing the show without Carrie. Hmm. So we knew in terms of, like, dates, it had to be with Carrie. So it wasn't, like, pitch the show, see if Carrie's available. It was get Carrie. We knew we wanted Dan DeLuca as Emmett. Get Dan. I, I think we might have had Alex at that point as well, actually. Mm-hmm. So when we pitched the show, we were able to have those names attached. Um, I have pitch shows where I'm like, people like performers from Wicked and like, yeah, when you have to be a little bit more vague, but yeah, but definitely don't pitch a show if you don't have anyone in mind that would be definitely committed to attempting to make it work. I, I'm very fortunate that most of my friends are performers. So there have been several occasions where at soundcheck, I'm like, um, I need you, <laughs> like calling up people that are like, okay, yeah, I can, I'll, I'll run it over after my show. Like we'll make it work. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely, you definitely want people somewhat attached and things change all the time at any venue, at Green Room, at 54, things always change. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have, I, w- I would say 54 might be like, Abby, this is terrible advice. But I'd say at least like four people to be like, these people are doing it. And that might be like, hey, Laura Austinus is now out of town, but Carol Lindsay's stepping in. You're like, right. okay, cool. like just make sure the caliber is the same as like people that had committed and could maybe not do it. I, I mean, I pitch shows with people that are like, I might be on tour. And I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot that goes into it behind the scenes, obviously, but yeah, a couple names. You're not expected to have a full cast list. Got it. So due to the pandemic, obviously, all shows, all everything is postponed for the foreseeable future. So how are you managing to stay positive during this time, knowing that obviously, you know, projects like this can't really exist in a live format right now? Um, I'm honestly, I'm definitely struggling. I was really close to doing a virtual concert with someone else. And then as it got, like, as plans were starting to be made, I was like, I actually can't do this right now. It just Mm -hmm. kind of, 
part of like part of me gets really sad when I think about it to be honest because I'm like yes I do feel like I could put on a show virtually and it would be fine but it's not really what I want to do right now so that's okay but it's hard because it's like such a part of I mean like I just got like an alert on my calendar that pronoun showdown is next week (laughs) it's definitely not so it's it's been a weird thing to navigate um Mm -hmm. in trying to like keep spirits as high as possible but also like you know everything I worked for is like kind of gone and you know there were other things happening in my life and career that I was really excited about for the future and it's just everything's kind of just not happening so it's a lot of re-navigating it's a lot of watching people pivot and Mm. I mean I started like a completely different situation like I'm opening a store (laughs) in the next couple weeks which is okay not (laughs) not what I thought I'd be doing right now but (laughs) I I'm just like looking for other ways to stay creative and focused. Hey, you're not alone, obviously. You know, I see people going back to school, getting their master's, going into a completely different career, moving from New York to, I have friends that moved from New York to Nashville, you know, just making these major pivots that would have never happened had this have not been a thing. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird time. I'm just... (laughs) Just getting by. Yeah. Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah, day by day. My last question for you is, what advice would you give to a young artist looking to pursue a career in the overall theater industry, not just an actor. Sure. Just keep an open mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I do wonder if I even would have wanted to go to school for performing if I had more of an idea of the other opportunities. I mean, we all know, like you can love Broadway and understand that there's dressers and there's lighting designers and, not have that opportunity growing up like you kind of know in high school you're either crew or you're on stage (laughs) so if you've ever taken a dance class you're on stage yeah if you like the idea of crew you sign up and it's like great hair and makeup or great this or this or this there's a lot of other jobs that do not exist in high school that are out there so if you love theater and it doesn't feel like you love performing as much. Like I loved dream casting my high school musicals maybe more than I liked <laughs> actually doing the musicals, which at the time I didn't realize. And now it back, I'm like, huh, like I'd much rather like, I mean, like even still I find myself doing it. Like I went to go see my high school did Mamma Mia like a week before everything shut down. It's so cute. Someone high school Mamma Mia. It's on YouTube. It's actually <laughs> really amazing like is he a junior and she's like yeah and I was like okay we need to do footloose or newsies or something fierce for him because he can dance and blah 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 and I was like also like who are the other junior girls and I was like I literally don't know anyone here and I was like I don't either it's weird like going back now because I'm still trying to dreamcast and I know like five of the kids still there (laughs) so it's just kind of weird but I'm like oh this is what I was doing back then I wasn't like oh I want to be Like, I wish I was doing this dance and I wish I was doing this. Like, I liked the planning of it so much more. And I liked thinking, like, how are they going to, like, make that work? And, like, what is, like, the lobby going to look like? Which, again, are very summit-specific things. (laughs) 
I'm sure. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Summit. Summit used to sweep the Rising Star Awards. <laughs> we were always like so cocky and proud of, of it. And I always wanted, like, looking back, it would be so funny right. to think about. But I'm still like, we won for Beast <laughs> and I was a junior. Like, it's still. Hey, when you got it, flaunt it. Take advantage. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, when you're in high school, there's so few things you can dream of essentially because there's so much you don't know so I hope I don't know I hope that people are learning a bit more about like there's there's so many jobs yeah and publicists and marketing like those are things that I'm like oh my gosh I would have tried to be like interning in high school if I knew like I love marketing I wish I knew that that was an opportunity I wish there were just so many things you just don't know about like you love theater so you want to be on Broadway it's like Hmm hand in hand. So well, that's really helpful advice too. Cause I, I know so many kids are sending me DMS or emails or whatever saying, you know, I really love theater, but I don't know if I really want to be a performer, you know, are there any other, Oh my gosh, there's a million of opportunities in theater, so in the theater industry. And so many cool ones. Yeah. Like not behind the desk things like really cool jobs that, yeah, yeah I wish there was more of an opportunity as you're younger to learn more about, which I, I mean, I, I hope I do with social media, mm-hmm. um, like Teal Dvornik does with the Backstage yeah. Blonde. Like I, I love that people I think are starting to get it. I wish, I don't know, some, like sometimes I personally get a little frustrated because I'll get asked a lot, like, what's my dream role and things like that on mm-hmm. Instagram. And I'm like, just because like my theater is such a thing on, on social media doesn't mean that I'm just trying to work as a performer Hmm. hoping in like the next couple years with more more opportunities to see the other options I hope there's more people that are like oh this person has a lot of like backstage photos on her Instagram I wonder what she does Hmm. not just oh she must want to be a performer which there's no shame in whatsoever Hmm. obviously we need all the performers but I wish that there was less of an assumption that it's always going to be someone that wants to be a performer. Like producing yeah. me isn't a stepping stone. That's what I want to do with my life. Mm. So I don't know. It kind of feels like how I used to feel when people would say that like growing up, they were told like, okay, well, like after you're performing, like after you're done performing, what are you going to do with your life? Like, I'm, so now I'm like, Reach. Oh, I'm making, like <laughs> making it happen to have people be like, but what's your dream role? I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> Abby, thank you so much for sharing your time and for sharing your wisdom. I'm really excited to see where your career takes you next. Thank you, Abby. You're really awesome. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Maggie. (laughs) If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic podcast. Until then... This is Maggie Vera signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.